0: We're going to read together from God's Word now from 1 Peter chapter 3 and from verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 3 from verse 8. We've been working our way through the book of Peter, so we're continuing this morning. And We read it says, Finally, all of you, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and And his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. We're going to stand and sing a song together just as we come and prepare our hearts as we come to the Word of God. We're going to sing, Purify my heart, let it be as gold. thank you let's pray and father we pray again that you will give us the teaching and that we will receive the encouragement that helps us to be that people who are ready to do your will who are involved in doing your will in our lives and as a church we pray this in jesus name amen Early on in the, the Christian ministry, I came to the conclusion, and, and nothing that has happened over the years has changed my opinion on this, that right foundations are vitally important and in so many different areas of life. That so many of the, the different problems that we face in life within the family, at work, and Christian service and in ministry and in relationships could be avoided and certainly could be more easily dealt with if only. In our early days, the right foundations were built in. With all that that, that might mean in terms of, of what might be expected of us, of what we can legitimately expect of others, the role that we have, how we should respond in different situations, etc. If only these things were built in to our lives, into the foundations of our lives, then how much less trouble? we would be likely to have as we get on with the business of actually living our lives I was reminded of this again during the week I had a little look at a book I'd read a number of years ago a book on pastoral work by Eugene Pearson the man behind the the Bible translation The Message but I was reading this book it's called Five Smooth Stones for Pastoral Work and it's a great book it's not a simple book or basic book but it's, it's readable and it is so perceptive and it's got such a depth of insight about, around so many different areas. But the opening point he makes, which is in fact the key point that he makes, is that there is a lack of a true biblical foundation in a lot of modern pastoral work. Now, you see, what he says is that once we have that biblical foundation... Once we've got that right, then the way that we do our pastoral work will then, following that, have much to do with where we are in history, with our culture, even what we are, by personality. But let me quote what he says. Since each culture, each generation, and each congregation has aspects of individuality, each generation of pastors, and to a certain extent each pastor, has to build into his or, own, his or her own superstructure of pastoral work. But we don't and we must not lay our own foundations. Too much pastoral work in our time is a consequence of that kind of procedure. A jerry-built structure, hastily and desperately put together out of whatever is at hand from the graduate school's the bestseller lists and the latest opinion polls of what people want. We need to get the foundations right before we can take on all that other kind of information and use it properly. Now that importance of, of right foundations is, I believe, again underlined for us here in this passage we're looking at now in First Peter. For what Peter is... Is basically telling us in these verses is that it's our life, it's our relationships within the church, within the community of God's people that should, that is intended to provide the foundation that enables us to love when we are attacked by those from out with the community, which is the, the real focus actually of the whole book of 1 Peter in a way. With this then bringing from the Lord its reward, the reward that's spelled out for us in verses 10 to 12. Now that's the overview. What I want to, to do with you now is just kind of take this apart and see how one builds on the other, how one leads to the other. So first then, the foundation. That foundation of a life together, a life together that's about harmony, love, compassion, humility, Sounds great, that is what a church to be part of. That foundation that enables us to react in the right way. That foundation, yes, where there's harmony to begin, meaning a general sharing together in something. A general sharing together of thoughts and attitudes. Having the same goals, the same aims, the same ideas, the same values, agreeing together. On the basics of what the Christian life and church life is about. Now, we might differ on the finer points. We may have different ideas on how to achieve those goals, on how to live out our values and our ideals. And I would say to you, indeed, listen, that's healthy. Because that kind of difference, that kind of tension, that leads to creativity, it leads to variety. And the Lord doesn't want his people to be kind of boring and flat, uniform, monotonous, everybody to do the same and be the same. He doesn't want that, but he does want us to have agreement on the basics. And he does expect us to express our differences in those other areas in a way that is consistent with a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that brings us on to the next foundation quality that needs to be within the life of a church and that is love, in fact in the, the original this love is actually more narrowly defined than it is in the NIV translation it's not just love, not just sorry, to love as brothers, but rather what Peter's saying is that we have to have love for the brothers now, do you see what that means, do you get the the implications of that. It means surely, among other things, it means remembering that the people who you maybe see things differently from within the church, the people who you maybe find it difficult to get on with, remembering that no matter what, that they are brothers and sisters in Christ, that they too are people for whom Christ died, who Christ loves, and who Christ lives in. That they're part with you of the one spiritual family that is bound together in Christ for all eternity. Now you see, as we see people in this way, as this is our starting point, that these are not just friends who happen to go to church, that they're not just members of a club that we're part of who we can then fall out with but rather that they are members together of a heavenly family who we will spend all eternity with when we see things in that way then that surely that will affect that should affect that must affect the way that we live together in the here and now and certainly it must affect should affect the way that we talk to one another and the way that we deal with whatever differences we have also it talks here of of sympathy and compassion in the church it says be sympathetic be compassionate that is don't just do the right things but also seek to feel the right emotions seek to feel for your brothers and sisters in christ that is seek to understand them seek to see where they're coming from seek to see what they've been through seek to understand why they are reacting in the way they are don't just get angry at them don't just react against them because of what they do don't be confined to the superficial in that way no work at it try to understand them try to understand what's happened in their life, to bring them and make them the person they now are. Seek to feel the pain and frustration, perhaps, that then makes them awkward and difficult and prickly. Because, you see, if you feel that, then you'll find the way that you, in turn, behave towards them. You'll find that that changes. And as you feel and behave differently towards them, You'll find then that often relationships and circumstances change. But you'll also find that even when they don't, even maybe when that person doesn't change those circumstances, you'll find that you're changed, that you're able to deal with things differently, better. Finally, we're encouraged within the church, if we want to have a healthy church, be a healthy church together, to have in at the foundation humility to be humble something that in Proverbs 29 23 is contrasted to pride obviously seen as the opposite of pride now what we're talking about here is is an outlook a a general attitude that starts off not thinking about self thirst not thinking that because it's what you want it's automatically right No what has been talked about here is having the kind of outlook, the kind of attitude, the humble heart that puts others' interests before your own. The kind of attitude, the kind of outlook that really wants to hear and values what others say. Their thoughts, their opinions. What we're talking about here is, I believe, what Paul asks for in Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4 when he says there to the Philippians. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. To be clear, this doesn't mean that we will always do what other people want. It doesn't mean that we'll become some kind of doormat, but it does mean that we will think about and put their interests before our own in the whole process of making decisions. But anyway, this is the kind of foundation that God wants us to have, that God tells us we need to have in our relationships, in our life together as a church. He wants there to be harmony among us he wants there to be love among us love sympathy compassion and humility well listen don't we all want to be part of a church like that of course we do well let me share with you then two things two causes of failure here two things that i believe often work against this kind of foundation in the life of the church I'm not going to look here at little things like personality and problems squabbles etc that emerge from personality no what I'm going to look at are the two major underlying causes of disharmony of a lack of love sympathy, compassion and humility in the church and the first of these two major causes is the failure to recognise The spiritual dimension. The spiritual dimension to whatever it is we're going through individually and or as a church. Now what I mean by that is that too often I think we fail to see that behind the difficulties we're going through, you know, with people and whatever's going on in church life. That behind these difficulties we're going through, that the Lord and the evil one are both at work. Yes, that behind the physical circumstances of our life, there there, there is a much more significant spiritual battle going on. So, for example, we're maybe in a a situation and we see things as a problem with a person. We think they're being difficult or obnoxious, nasty, whatever. And so we then decide we're going to try and sort things out very much on this world's terms. We're going to sort them out because we want to win but as we do so as we tackle situations and people life in general at this world level and using this world tactics well maybe at times we might seem to win in the here and now (laughs) we might seem to get our way we might seem to get things done that we want done yet at the same time we can be losers in the battle that really matters we can be losers spiritually. Because, you see, in that exactly same situation, there is a battle going on at a far deeper level. There is a spiritual battle going on. And both God and Satan are involved. And God, well, you see, God doesn't always choose to deliver us from our circumstance. He doesn't always choose to deliver us from people who, who are difficult he doesn't choose to have us always win as this world understands winning and sometimes you see god wants to use these situations he wants to use people who we find difficult to build us up to mature us spiritually And you see, this will happen even in the midst of these situations if only we turn to God and open our hearts to him and ask his help, ask him to enable us to respond to the situation properly, biblically, spiritually. But Satan, you see, well, his aim, his tactics are always the same. He always wants to influence us in such a way as to discourage, divide and destroy. He always wants our response to whatever has happened in our lives, he always wants that to lead to hurt, to division and to disharmony in the church. And too often, far too often, because we forget, because we ignore or because maybe in some way we're unaware of this spiritual dimension, this is exactly just What happens? We react to people, we react to problems just as this world does and so we fall blundering into Satan's hands. Now the other problem I want to mention here relates maybe more particularly to Baptist churches although I don't think it's only Baptist churches but another problem that I think works against a church establishing a foundation of harmony, love and compassion and humility is This time it relates to congregational government. That is to, to an understanding of congregational church government. And certainly a practice, if not an understanding. I don't know if we always even get as far as understanding. But to a practice that sees congregational government as being a democracy. A democracy which is fundamentally an individual seeking to influence things in such a way As to get the decision made that suits me as an individual, to persuade people to decide to do what I want done. And then working from this kind of foundation, too often, if they don't do that, then the response is, well, I'm going to down tools. I want nothing to do with this. I want nothing to do with the people who are doing this. I want nothing to do with this church anymore now i want to say to you from a Christian perspective this has always been wrong it's always wrong but what makes the situation worse today in our time are the excesses of individualism that at the moment are running riot in our country you see we live today in that me generation but all of this is a total distortion of what Baptist church life is actually supposed to be about. Because, let me be clear, we are not supposed to be a democracy. A Baptist church is not democratic. It's not about the rule of the people. No, we are called to be a theocracy. That is to live as God's people under the will of God, seeking the will of God in all things. And what this should mean practically is that when we come, say, to our church meeting, we don't come with a closed mind. We don't come determined to get the decision that we want. Rather, we come seeking to discern, seeking to hear the voice of God. So that means that we should come with an open heart and an open mind. And this does have an important connection to the harmony, love and humility etc that we've seen that, that God wants us to have in our relationships together as a church because you see one of the biggest causes of disharmony one of the greatest hindrances to love and a surefire sign of a lack of humility is when a decision is reached at a church meeting and someone walks out of that meeting Determined not to support, not to cooperate with the decision that's been made. Or we're at a meeting where we claim to be coming committed to find God's will in a godly way and yet when things don't seem to be going our way we behave in a way that dishonours God. But I want to say to you, isn't all of that arrogant and shameful? When we automatically suppose that we are right and that the majority of God's people are wrong. Isn't that a sign of a lack of submission to the body of Christ? Now, of course, let's be clear. The facts are that we might be right. We might even be right because the majority aren't always right. But it's the Lord who will show the church that in his own time. That's not our job. That's God's job. And all our stubborn pride does, all our holding back, our support and cooperation, all our negativity, etc., all that does is cause ill-feeling within the body of Christ. Anyway, we've said that this right foundation within the life of the church, where there's harmony, love, compassion, humility That this right foundation that this then enables us to love when we're facing hostility and persecution from those out with the church for that's what I believe verse 10 talks of do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult but with blessing because to this you were called and of course I know that that we can receive evil and insults from those inside the church as well as those outside it I know that's the case, but Peter here was right into a situation into a situation where persecution was the problem and where more was coming. That's the context here. And you know, let's be clear, even today, I think this would be that should be and is the greatest source of problems for most believers, that kind of hostility from outside. But let's get back to what Peter said. Do not repay evil for evil or insult for insult, but with blessings because to this you were called. Now, I I believe what Peter's saying here is that if we've got this right foundation in our life together that we've talked about, then as a result of that, as a proof of that, as a sign of that, then we'll be able to react in this kind of way. When we're abused, miscalled, mistreated by uh, by our enemies. And as we do this, that is a real sign of a work of God of the grace of God of the spirit of God at work within us and Warren Wearsby here he says of this and I believe these are important and really spiritually challenging words. he says that as Christians we can live on one of three levels we can return evil for good Which is the satanic level. We can return good for good and evil for evil, which is the human level. Or we can return good for evil, which is the divine level. With Jesus being the perfect example of the latter approach. That's a challenge. But you see, as we're able to live in this kind of way, and by doing so, showing something then of the reality of the life of Jesus at work within us, then there will be, as we're going to look at now, a reward. There will be a reward. Not least the fact that this kind of living, that this is the very thing, this unmistakable stamp of God's ownership on our lives, it's likely to to draw men and women to repentance and faith in christ but as well as this this kind of living will bring its other rewards from the lord both in eternity and in the here and now i believe for that's what verse 10 to 12 is about the words of psalm 34 12 to 16 here being quoted and applied by peter you see it's all about God's people having that kind of life that's about harmony, love, compassion, humility. You know, being the kind of people who, as it says in these verses, keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. With the result of this being, as it says here, that we will, because of this, that we will love life and see good days now this doesn't mean I want to stress this this doesn't mean that if we live this kind of way that we're going to as a result have an easy life a trouble free life if only we live in this kind of way that pleases the Lord it doesn't mean that it doesn't where the very psalm these verses were taken from Psalm 34 actually finishes in verse 19 it says a righteous man may have many troubles but the Lord delivers him from them all. Rather, I believe what is, is meant here is that because of the way that we live, because of living this life with these right foundations, laying down then such a depth of relationship with the Lord and such a peace and a joy in the Lord, in him, because we're living this way, that so then, no matter what our life circumstances may be whatever other things from this world are hitting at us yet because we've got this foundation nothing is able to take away from us what we have in him and our trust in him it's really i think about having that kind of outlook on life that paul speaks of in philippians 4:11. reaching that point where like paul we can say i have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. But why do we know this? Why do we have this kind of experience as Christians? joy even in the midst of affliction and sometimes even deliverance from circumstances why well because verse 12 says the eyes of the lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayers because because as we live in this kind of way as we seek to cultivate harmony love and compassion and humility within the fellowship and within our lives as we seek to return good for evil, to love our enemies wherever they are. So then, as we live like this, the hand of God will be upon our lives in a special way and he will answer our prayers. Is there any other way to understand that? I don't think that there is. So do you want this church to be the kind of church that is blessed by God do you want in your life to know the blessed of God, again not primarily in material terms but in far more precious spiritual ways do you want to have that kind of church that kind of life do you want to see prayers answered do you want to grow spiritually do you want to see God at work in power among his people if you do then I say to you seek harmony rather than disharmony be loving rather than malicious be compassionate and understanding rather than hard hearted be truly humble rather than proud be these things Do these things and then we will, I believe, see God at work in power among us. Let's pray together. Father, we just want to thank you for the greatness of your love and of your grace. We want to thank you that as we seek to live for you, as we lay down these foundation qualities, that you will work in us and enable us to live for your glory. You'll give us the strength to respond in ways different from this world. You'll give us the grace to live in such a way that we will be an attractive people, a real counterculture that draws people to Jesus. Lord, help us in this, that we might know your blessing in our lives and upon this church. And all this we pray in Jesus' name.